If you are visiting for the first time, we do want to welcome you and certainly welcome everybody else that comes on a regular basis. You know, Marine Creek Church was founded uh, with a basic mission in mind, and that is to change lives through the message of Jesus. So we're going to talk a little bit about that today, what that message is, and how it does change lives. Um, The greatest message of all Christianity is that sinful man can be forgiven. Just think about that. That sinful man, in all that wretchedness, as Ryan was talking about, can be forgiven. Uh, He can be completely cleansed, have eternal life. That's all given to him by the God of all creation. Uh, Matthew chapter 9, verse 8. We've been talking uh, and studying in the book of Matthew for several weeks now. We're going to continue that study. And we're going to be in Matthew chapter 9 today in the first eight verses. And that's exactly what the message is there. It, It appears on the surface when you first read that, it appears just to be about Jesus healing a paralytic. And certainly that is the story. And and sometimes we, if we've read the Bible a lot, and especially if we've read through the, the Gospels, we see all these miracles that Jesus does. And you read another one, you think, oh, oh um, another miracle that Jesus is doing. Well, this one's a little different. It's more than just another miracle that he's performing. This one has a lesson for all of us. And we're going to take a look at that and see what that lesson is. So let's take a look. At Matthew chapter 9, verses 1 through 8. If you have your Bibles, you can follow along or they'll put it up on the screen for you. Jesus stepped into a boat, crossed over, and came to his own town. Some men brought to him a paralytic lying on a mat. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Take heart, son, your sins are forgiven. At this, some of the teachers of the law said to themselves, This fellow is blaspheming. Knowing their thoughts, Jesus said, Why do you entertain evil thoughts in your hearts? Which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Get up and walk? But so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Then he said to the paralytic, Get up, take your mat, and go home. And the man got up and went home. When the crowd saw this, they were filled with awe, and they praised God who had given such authority to men. So, we see the, the story of the paralytic, and maybe we need a little bit of background. If you were here last week, you know that, uh, that Pastor Matt talked about how Jesus was in, a, in an area called Gadara, and he was preaching to these people that lived there, the Gadarenes, and uh, a, a man that was possessed by a demon was interrupting things. The demons were interrupting things. And so Jesus told him to be quiet. He cast the demons out. He cast them into a a herd of swine. And the swine ran down into the sea, and they were drowned. Well, the Gadarenes weren't real happy about this. I'm sure they were upset about losing their flock of swine. But I think more than that, they were probably a little afraid of this power that Jesus had. They didn't quite understand it. And so they asked him to leave. You know, the interesting thing about God is that He'll always be there whenever you call on Him. Whenever you decide that you want to give your life to Him, He's going to be there. But 
if you turn your back on him and you don't want to have anything to do with him, he's not going to force the issue. Okay, he's going to wait there until you're ready. And he will be there. He, he promises in his word he'll never leave us nor forsake us. But he's not going to force himself. Okay, so when the Gadarenes asked Jesus to leave, he said, okay, we have other people we need to talk to. We have other places we need to visit. And so he left. And where did he go? He went home. He came to his own town of Capernaum and went to his house. And as often happens, when Jesus comes to a place, whether it's his hometown or any other town, huge crowds gather because they've heard of him and they want to hear his message. Well, that's what happened when he went home. This crowd, an enormous crowd, gathered around his house. And so there were, there were some men that were bringing a friend of theirs who was paralyzed, and they were having to carry him on this mat, and they're bringing him to Jesus. Well, they're obviously going to have a hard time getting him to Jesus. But that didn't stop them. They loved this man, and they believed in Jesus. So uh, Mark, the Gospel of Mark tells us that they couldn't get to the house, so they carried this man up to the rooftop. And they cut a hole in the roof, and they lowered him down. Now imagine you're in your house, and you're talking to people. Somebody's cutting a hole in your roof. You're thinking, seriously, dude, what are you doing? You know, well, Who's going to fix this? What happens if it rains? Well, Jesus wasn't thinking that. He didn't care about the roof. His thought was, I love this faith. I love the faith of this paralytic. And, and as much, I love the faith of his friends that have brought him. Okay, that was what Jesus was thinking. He cares about the faith of the sinner. But Jesus also cares about the faith of the believer who brings that sin. That's just as important. So when you or I invite Christ, or invite someone to Christ, he not only cares about the faith of that sinner that you're bringing, he also cares very much about your faith in bringing that person. Did, did you ever know somebody, maybe, maybe uh, somebody close to you, husband, wife, uh, son or daughter, father, mother, maybe just a friend, and you know in your heart that they need Jesus. So you've been talking to them. You've been praying. And yet, you haven't been able to see that miraculous life change yet. And so maybe your faith is beginning to wane a little bit. And, and you know it's not that, that your faith in Jesus isn't strong. You know that, and you know it well, because he's changed your life. But maybe your faith in thinking maybe they're just never going to make that decision. Okay, well, let me tell you, it's important that you not give up. It's critical. In fact, their very eternal life may depend on you not giving up and not losing faith. The faith that you have in Jesus that saved you is that same faith that you need to have for your friends in bringing them and talking to them and telling them about Jesus. Remember what we said about, about Marine Creek, the message of Jesus is what's going to change lives.
that's what's going to change their lives too. So what I encourage you to do is pray. Pray hard, pray often, pray continually, and never, ever give up. Ask God to strengthen your faith so that you can continue to speak to them and that seed that you've planted. The Bible says the Holy Spirit will nurture it. So it's kind of like a, it's kind of like a garden. You've planted that seed in the garden. The Holy Spirit's going to water it, going to take care of it, going to trim back the weeds. And, and the Holy Spirit is the one that's going to bring that to fruition. Now, you might not be fortunate enough to ever see that. You may move away, they may move away, and maybe you never see them again. But one day, someone, some message, some pastor is going to touch their heart because the Holy Spirit is still working. Okay, the Holy Spirit's here. He's in this room. We're glad to have him. We invite him in every week, and he comes gladly. Um, you know, these men that brought their friend, this paralytic, they didn't give up. They had a lot of dawning things in front of them. First of all, we don't know how far they came, but they're carrying this man on this mat. Now think about that. This is essentially dead weight because this man can't move. He's got to be heavy, and they're carrying him all this way because they believe. They refuse to let his condition stop them. They refuse to let the crowd stop them when they got there. They refuse to let the roof stop them. And they refuse to let the critics stop them. I can imagine as they're carrying this man up on the roof, people are going, what are you doing? What are you thinking? You're going to cut a hole in the roof? No. That's not going to work. But they didn't let that stop them. They said, yeah, Jesus is there. We want him to see our friend. And we know that he'll heal. So... They kept going. They persevered. And I want you to know that the real message in this passage today is not just about this paralytic. The real message is that we're all paralytics. We are all paralyzed by sin. Okay, that's what paralyzed this man. It's what paralyzes all of us. And we all need the healing of that great physician. He can not only heal the sick, calm the storm, cast out demons, but he can change lives. He can heal us. And he can give the human soul what it needs the most, forgiveness and freedom from a paralyzing sin. And it's covered by the blood of Jesus. By the way, did you ever stop and think what color sin is. Did you know that sin has a color? Well, when I was little, I had a couple of great aunts, gossipy old girls, but God bless them, they were sweet, from lived in Georgia, and they wouldn't call it gossiping. They'd just say, we're not gossiping, we're talking about it. Okay? But one of them had this wonderful saying, my Aunt Bernice had this wonderful saying, She'd say, I want you to know, honey, she told a black lie. A black lie. So I thought, okay, I'm like six or seven when I hear this. Okay, well, if 
if a lie is black, a lie is sin, so sin must be black. So I guess sin is black. Well, let's see what the Bible has to say about what color sin is. In Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18, it says, Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. So sin is red. It's the color of scarlet or crimson. Or you might say, blood red. So what happens when sin is covered by the blood of Jesus? You don't see it. It's gone. Forgiven. Covered. And God says that when he forgives our sin, he'll remove it from us as far as the east is from the west. It's an infinite, infinite distance. And what I like even better, he says, I will remember it no more. See, I think we have problems with that. We can't forget our sin a lot of times. We have a hard time forgiving ourselves, even after God does. So we, we kind of hang on to that old life and hang on to that old sin thinking, man, there's got to be some way I have to pay for this. There's got to be some way I have to atone. There isn't. Jesus has done that. His death has atoned for all of it. You know, when he suffered and died on that cross and his blood was shed, that was the sacrifice. Remember in the Old Testament that whenever they needed their sins forgiven, they would have to find a perfect lamb, bring it to the altar, and sacrifice it. The shedding of blood was what paid the sacrifice. It's the same with Jesus. Now, we don't have to do that anymore. Because Jesus did it once and for all. He shed that blood. And thank God he was raised on Sunday morning, Easter Sunday. And at the right hand of the Father. And because of that, he has power over the grave. And we have forgiveness of our sins. And eternal life. So, isn't it interesting that in this passage that when he saw the paralytic he forgave his sins first and then he healed his paralysis see Jesus healed the disease before the symptom we're used to a lot of times doctors working on the symptom and, and just kind of giving us pills here take this this will make you feel better but what about the problem how do we get rid of that well, that's what Jesus deals with. Okay, in verse 3, we see these, these pompous, sanctimonious, self-righteous teachers of the laws. They're called Pharisees, a lot of them call them. And they're saying that Jesus was blaspheming because he healed this man. And he forgave his sins. Actually, he forgave his sins at this point, And they're saying he's blaspheming. He can forgive sin. And so, obviously, they didn't have the courage to say it out loud. They're thinking this in their hearts and in their heads. Guess what? Jesus read their hearts. And he called them on it. Why do you entertain these evil thoughts in your hearts? Jesus knows the heart. He reads the heart. He reads our hearts just like he did theirs. Okay, let's see what he says. 
in Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9 and 10, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart and examine the mind to reward a man according to his conduct, according to what his deeds deserve. So God knows every single thought in our hearts, every inkling that our hearts have. Verse 9, he finally chastises these Pharisees. and He says, what's easier to say, your sins are forgiven or get up and walk? And then in verse 6, he says, but so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Now, sometimes when I read when I read the Gospels, I, I put myself in Jesus' place, and I think, wow, it's just a little too easy on him, Jesus. I would have been like, all right, I can't believe this. All of these miracles you've seen, and still you don't believe? All of the things you've seen me do, and you don't even believe your own eyes. Well, okay, you knuckleheads, pay attention, because I'm only going to do this one more time, and you better learn. But Jesus doesn't say that. He's much kinder than I am. And he just says, what are you thinking? What are you thinking? Which one is easier to say your sins are forgiven or get up and walk? So he tells the paralytic, get up. Take your mat. Go home. So what do you think? He just gets up, picks up his mat, and strolls off. I don't think so. If you're paralyzed your whole life, and suddenly someone sets you free from that paralysis, and you can get up and you can walk. And not only that, you can carry your own mat, and nobody has to help you. Are you just going to stroll home? I don't think so. I think the paralytic is jumping for joy. I think he's running home all the way. And, and why is he going home? Who are the first people you think he wants to tell? His family. They've probably been burdened with him for their whole lives, having to take care of him, do everything for him. He wants to go home and tell them, hey, look at this. You don't have to do this anymore. I can do it for myself. You've got to come meet this man. You have to come meet this Jesus. This Savior, this Messiah, he's incredible. That's what, that's what I would do. I mean, if I, had, if I had some kind of disease, if I had cancer, and I found out there was a doctor that could cure me, and I went and he did, I'm, I'm running home and I'm telling my family first, I'm telling all my friends, everybody else I know. I'm calling CNN, you know, ABC, NBC, ESPN, wherever they want to broadcast it. Look what happened to me. And I think that's what this paralytic did too. Well, you and I have the greatest news that the world has ever heard. We have the news of Jesus and what he's done for us. His death on the cross. And the fact that all we have to do is ask him to forgive us of our sins. Trust in him that he's going to do that we'll be saved too. And we'll be healed. We'll be forgiven. Probably the most famous verse in all the Bible, John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. 
Now, does that restrict it to any group of people, any particular religion, any particular thought process? It says whoever. It means you, me, your friends, your neighbors, everybody. No matter what religion they are, no matter what culture they're from, no matter what color, it's everybody. So he's the savior of all mankind. Now make no mistake, just like you and me, this man wasn't saved by his faith. We're saved by the grace of God. It's that grace, it's our our faith that brings us to that throne of grace. But we're saved by the grace of God. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, so that no one can boast. So what happens with a gift? Someone brings you a gift. Maybe it's the one thing that you need in your life. What happens? You have to accept it. And what if you don't accept it? All you have to do is reach out and take it. It's yours. What if you don't reach out and take it? Is it going to do you any good? Not at all. It's the same with this gift. Gift of God. You have to take it. God's offering it to you. He sent his son. And he's offering it to you. But you have to take it. You have to reach out and say, I want this. Claim it for yourself. If you don't, it isn't going to do you any good at all. He's poured out his grace on us in the form of Jesus dying on the cross. And because of that, we have that eternal life. Finally, in verse 8, we see the people who were once again in awe of the power of Jesus, praising God who had given him this authority. You know, <clears throat> when I think about my life, It, it never ceases to amaze me that regardless of how I've lived, regardless of the things I've done, He loves me. And I can't think of a better gift. And I'm grateful. So we see the real lesson in this passage is that we're all paralyzed by sin. We all need that saving grace of Jesus. And that's the only thing that's going to change it. The only thing that's going to give us freedom from that sin. So, my challenge to you is to recognize the paralyzing hold that sin has on your life and ask God to free you from it. Let's pray. Father, we're thankful for these words, for this message from you. 
We're grateful, Lord, that, that you have chosen to love us and to set us free from sin. We're grateful that you sent your son to die and that Jesus came willingly and that he suffered and he bled and he died. And we're grateful, God, that he was raised again on Easter, Easter Sunday morning. Victory over the grave, victory over death, and that we can share in that victory. Lord, there are lots of people here today that, that have problems and issues in their lives. We ask that you would bless each one of them. Touch every life. Heal those that are hurting. Piece those lives together that have been shattered. God, we thank you for it. We ask all of this in Jesus.